Welcome to the Coach's Plan podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach Nebrunswick. I'm Ashley Lanny, your host, um, and we're super excited today to announce that we've got a special guest in the studio. Um, it's one of the first time we've actually had someone come in, so we're super, super thankful for that. Um, Joe Salerno, the uh, head coach of the Moncton Magic, has graciously agreed today to come talk to us about what makes his team tick, what makes him tick, and uh, the, the secret recipe to a, um, I'll, I'll say, an almost perfect season. Um, so, Joe, welcome. Hey, thank, thanks for having me. <laughs> I was actually really excited when, when I got an email from uh, from you folks. So, um, like I said, just, just honored to be here and, uh, and talk coaching a little bit. Awesome. Um, and so to to introduce Joe a little bit, I'll see if I can get all of this straight because there is there is quite a list uh, of his resume to go through. Um, I'll, I think I would describe you as like the OG NBL coach. Um, you've been around since, since the uh, inception of the league, the National Basketball League of Canada. Um, you... Uh, Originally, we're coaching in PEI, it was called the Island Storm, and then uh, moved over to Moncton last year, to 2017, um, with the Moncton Magic, um, and have been with them ever since. Uh, and before that, you were in the States with the uh, Vermont Frost Heaves. Is that it? That's it. One of the best names in minor league sports, yeah. no doubt. Were you guys like the Frosties or the, it, it was just Frost Heaves. Frost Heaves. That's what it was. Fro- what? The frost Heaves in the road are a big problem in the state of Vermont yeah. come March. And uh, I think the whole reasoning behind that name was, you know, March basketball is playoff time and we wanted to be yeah. a bump in the road for our opponents <laughs> in March. So uh, pretty creative. Okay. I actually like that a lot. That makes way more sense to me. <laughs> I was like, is it like a Frosted Flakes reference? I'm not not quite sure, but I like that. Um, you took the Moncton Magic this year to the championships and won, which is the first time the Magic have ever done that. And it's also the first time that you've ever won the championships as well. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Um, and we'll get into that season in a little bit, but I'll, I'll keep going through the list. Um, all-time winningest coach in the league. Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, I, b- I believe so. Okay, yeah. nice. Um, hang on. I'll bring my notes over here. Um, and then NBL Coach of the Year 2013 and 2019 and new uh, NBL Atlantic Division Champions 2012, 2014, 2019. Quite that the sounds, resume. That sounds about right. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> this is what I got off your website, so hopefully they're not telling any lies there. Um, and so when I, yeah, I was looking at this resume and looking at this list of things you've done, and I was like, oh my God, where do I start with this? Because yeah, you've been quite a few places. You've hosted training camps in China. Uh, you've coached in the States. You've coached in Canada. Um, but before we get started, can you just explain to the listeners like what the NBL is and how it fits into the context of the professional basketball league sure. or the professional basketball world? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I kind of like the the OG comment. I, yeah. I, people joke I'm, I'm probably the oldest, youngest coach in, in the mm. NBL Canada. So yeah. uh, very familiar with the league. But uh, the NBL Canada has now been in existence for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think the, the thought behind it initially when the, the league was formed back in 2011 um, was that Canada didn't have a professional basketball league. You know, they have the CFL. Uh, obviously, they have uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and there's some AHL hockey teams here. And I think there was just a, a need and a, and a want for professional basketball in Canada. Um, so, again, I think the, the thought behind it was let's give Canada its own professional basketball league. You know, really outside of the Toronto Raptors, uh, the country just didn't have that. So I think some people felt there was a need for it, uh, and the league was formed. Um, some people look at this as a developmental league or, or a minor league. And in my opinion, it's really neither of those. It, it truly is a professional league uh, that we want to try to put the most entertaining product possible on the floor for our fans. 
uh, and compete for championships just like anybody would in the NBA or the NHL or the CFL. So, uh, you know, it's still a fairly young league. Eight years isn't uh, isn't all that old when it comes to professional sports. I think the league has certainly gone through its ups and downs and, and bumps and bruises like any young league would. But uh, I love the league, and, and that's why I'm still here. I love the uh, talent level on the floor. Uh, I still think it's heading in the right direction, and it just has a ton of potential. So uh, it's been a great ride so far, and, and just looking forward to see what's in store with the league uh, in the future. And so um, and so you guys play, like, East Coast to West Coast all the way through. Um, what? Because um, when I first heard of the Moncton Magic, like, I, I'm fairly new to the Atlantic provinces. I'm originally from Winnipeg, uh, and... Okay. Um, so when I heard Moncton Magic, it did not register with me at all, or really the NBL didn't register with me either, but I'm also not a basketball person. So that's mm-hmm. besides the point. Um, but that, I think that's really important that Canada starts stepping up its game and it recognizes that, you know what, like we've got a lot of really high class athletes here that we want to showcase and, um, and have them taken seriously. And it, in order for us to do that, we need to step up our game and have that professional league. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, the league right now, you know, it's not quite nationwide. Uh, it really spans from basically uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, mm-hmm. uh, where the St. John's Edge play uh, out to Windsor, uh, Ontario okay. is about as far. So really central gotcha. uh, Canada. But um, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think Canada needed a place. Uh, there, there's a lot of great basketball players in Canada and, and more and more are turning up every year. You see more and more Canadians being drafted uh, into the NBA every year. You see more and more Canadians going to the United States to play uh, very high-end NCAA Division One basketball. And I think what the NBL Canada uh, does is it creates a place for those players to play uh, after college and not have to go overseas. They can play professionally, uh, be paid to do it, and, and, and stay home in their home country. So, you know, I think those were certainly uh, some of the goals the league had in mind, um, you know, as well as just just kind of fulfilling an appetite for the game of basketball here in Canada. And I mean, obviously, as you can see, I'm sure we'll talk about later with the Raptors this year. And, and uh, I mean, basketball is the fastest growing sport in this country. So, you know, being part of really the only truly, you know, domestic professional league is, is pretty exciting. Very cool. And then what is the, what's like the makeup of the Moncton Magic? Are most of them from Canada or do we have a mix coming in from the States or elsewhere? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's really a mix. I mean, there's actually kind of a, a league mandate. Um, you're only allowed to carry uh, seven imports on a team. Now, the majority of those imports come from the United States. Uh, there's some European players or Asian players in the league. Um, so team rosters being comprised of 12 players. Normally you'll see seven um, imports or Americans and uh and five canadians on every team so but i think we've seen over the last three or four years i mean the canadian talent just continues to get better and better uh so you know you come to watch a magic game it's really tough to differentiate between the canadian players and the american players you know it's just a pretty equal playing field so um but yeah it's given opportunities for canadians and and uh you know americans or people from international countries so Mm -hmm. and so you yourself are an import originally from hang on i have it in my notes uh from vermont no, yeah. originally from born in New York, from Vermont. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. I was born okay. in uh, upstate New York, okay. um, but really grew up in, in Vermont. Uh, okay. I spent a little bit of time in, in Massachusetts as well. But uh, Vermont is, is home for me. Uh, Barrie, Vermont, which is really right in the, the heart of the state. It's right mm-hmm. in the center of, uh, of, of the state of Vermont. It's actually right next to Montpelier, uh, which is where I went to high school, which is the, the state capital. Um, you know, not, not a whole lot different between Vermont, New, Eng- you know, New England in general, and, and the Maritimes. So it was a, it was a pretty easy transition for myself and my family uh, coming to the Maritimes, and you know we've, we've been very happy here since. So what originally made you decide? Okay, like we're going to Canada. This is this is where we want to be. Um, I mean, my phone rang. 
really. <laughs> uh, you know, the league was was being established, and actually, the founders of the league were uh, were from the United States. Okay. Um, so the former league I used to coach in, called the PBL, where the Vermont Frosties uh, played, were part a member of. Um, three teams from that league actually kind of uh, broke off from the PBL and decided to start their own league uh, in Canada. Um, I think when there was the first league owners meetings and, and new teams were looking, expansion teams were looking for coaches, I think my name was kicked around a little bit. And uh, I actually had a couple teams from the NBL Canada uh, call me and I interviewed with. And, you know, I, I got an offer from the Island Storm. And, you know, we'd never been to PEI before. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I probably couldn't have pointed it out on a map. Um, but we, we kind of made the jump. You know, my wife supported me in it. And um, like I said, we really haven't looked back since. We've been here for, for eight years now. I feel pretty pretty Canadian. Very um, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, when you first arrived in PEI, was it in the summer or the winter? Uh, it was the fall. Okay. It was the fall, actually. And it, it was crazy. Just enough to trick you. <laughs> yeah, just, just enough. I mean, coming from Vermont, winters are pretty bad. You yeah. know, we get a ton of snow, obviously, in the mountains. It's it's probably one of the, the best skiing destinations in North America. Right. Um, but it was my wife, myself, and my 16-month-old son. And we were kind of leaving everything we knew. We were leaving all of our family. Um, we didn't know a soul on, on PEI. We really didn't know anybody in Canada. And uh, it was it was really quite the adventure. But I just remember, you know, the, the 12, 13-hour drive with, with a 16-month-old. Uh, you know, with stuff <laughs> kind of... family. Oh, man. <laughs> it, stuff was tied down to the roof of our car. And it was, it was, it was right out of a movie, really. And uh, it was a cool experience. You know, we moved into a house. We showed up to a house we, we had never even seen before. You know, and it was just... Uh, it was a really exciting time, and uh, yeah, we rolled we rolled the dice a little bit. But uh, PEI that first winter was was a bit of a rough one, and yep. it certainly wasn't awakening. But uh, I do think that you know the winters on PEI and, and in Moncton, the Maritimes in general, you know the summers are worth it. It mm -hmm. certainly was on, oh, on PEI. So hundred percent, yeah, cool. All right, so I'm gonna back up a little bit and get back into like the your like origin story of how you got involved with coaching. Like, really, where was your start, and what kept you going in it? <clears throat> yeah, I really didn't have the traditional path that a lot a lot of people take. My my path was very kind of topsy turvy, curvy, kind of all, all around. Um, I suffered a really bad ankle injury uh, in college, um, really my freshman year. So I really wasn't able to play. I, I tore three ligaments and broke my ankle, and um, ended up transferring schools my sophomore year. And I was then at a school that I probably couldn't play at. I wasn't quite at the level uh, they were, and uh, I just got into coaching young kids youth basketball when I was like. 20 years old and um i think for me it was just a way to kind of stay around the game you know that i'd loved for so much i had no idea that it would ultimately become my profession um but i but i did that for a year or two like young kids you know 13 14 year olds i was coaching at a very young age and uh, my wife actually received her first job she was a teacher um back around my my home city in montpelier vermont and as soon as we moved there there was a, a job opening for a junior varsity basketball coach and I had been a, a pretty good player there in Montpelier. And uh, the then varsity coach called me and, and just kind of offered me the job. They said, we'd love to have you come and, and coach. And we had a great year. And, and I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, but at the same time, I was working 40 hours a week and coaching. Mm -hmm, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, as a, a freshly married young man, it wasn't <laughs> in my best interest to be putting 80 hours a week in. So, um, yeah, I just, I coached high school basketball for three years. And then... Um, I just told my wife, I think I want to try to make a, a profession out of this. And um, I was going to leave my job to coach high school basketball. And and, and then it kind of just went from there. Um, what do you know, think was like the particular moment that you're like, this is this is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to make my life into. 
Boy, you know, I, I had some success at that high school level. Uh, I think my first year we went undefeated. Um, my second year, I think we went to a, a state Final Four, which was kind of a big deal. And I think it just it kind of grabbed me. And it just said, man, I, I love doing this. I love I love teaching. I love coaching the game. I love, um, uh, you know, kind of mentoring young men and players. And, um, you know, I don't know if there was a specific moment. I think it was just the course of those first couple of years. It just it was my passion. And um you know, I, maybe I, maybe I didn't really love the job that I was in. So what were you, what were you uh, doing before? I was in sales. I I was actually in sales. I was in, um, I was like a regional sales manager for uh, Marriott, um, hotels and, you know, being out on the court was was a whole lot more fun than being in an office. So I just decided to try to make the jump. And and like I said, um, it ended up working out. I I totally understand you. Um, I, so I'm a rowing coach and I spend a lot of my time out on the river and it's that kind of like time out in the middle of the day where, or I should say ass crack of the morning and um when you're getting out there and and nobody else in the city is awake yet but you've got uh, your crew out on the water and you've got your little motorboat and you've got your cup of coffee and you're doing whatever you can to stay warm and you're trying to get these kids to, to all work together and do their thing like it's just it's just magic uh, yeah it is i agree with you i think i found it so rewarding i mean so much more rewarding than actually being a player mm-hmm. you know when you're a player and you have a great game you know you feel good or you, you win a ball game you know you're pretty excited but i think as a coach you know you're, you're seeing just like a whole you know, plate full of work. You're seeing 12 people really succeed and, and knowing you had a hand in that to me, it was a lot more rewarding. And I think that's probably a big reason why, um, you know, I kind of, kind of stuck with coaching and just knew it was what I wanted to do. Totally. Um, and so through your career, like what were, what were you doing to kind of stay on top of your game? Like aside from just Mm -hmm. like having your hands dirty in the game day in, day out in the practices, like were you taking any extra measures to, uh, to do any like professional development or workshops or anything that kind of stuff? I was doing everything and anything I possibly could. So I, I was I was kind of thrown into the fire. I really mm-hmm. was. I, my first assistant job at the professional level was actually with the Frosties. And uh, my first year as, as an assistant coach, I was a, a full-time assistant with them. Uh, they fired the head coach seven games into the regular season. Oof. And um, I'm 27 years old. You know, half the players on the team are older than me. You know, they're 29, <laughs> 30 years old. And... Um, they asked me to interview for the the head job, and I I, I originally I said no. I said I'm not, I'm not ready for this, yeah, you know. And be insane. And yeah, exactly. And I just they said, Joe, you know, we, we kind of like your report with the players. Um, you know, we like how you communicate with them. We really like you to interview, and so I, I did, and I ended up getting it. Um, and I realized right then and there, I, I kind of knew nothing about coaching <laughs> at the pro level. Oh shit! I will never forget my first game ever. We lost by fifty four. Yeah. And uh, you don't lose by 50 points in, in a pro game. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And it was just a, a rude awakening that uh, the game was moving so fast. I couldn't even I, I couldn't make any adjustments. And um, from that point on, uh, every summer, I mean, every weekend, any clinic I could get to all over New England camps as an observing coach, constantly calling and talking with coaches, attending uh, training camps like in the G League, anything I could possibly do. Because if, if I didn't do those things, I, I wasn't going to advance. I wasn't going to survive. And uh you know, you, you learn by being thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of the, the thing I had to do. Yep. So in, in Canada, we have the National Coaching Certification Program, the NCCP, which is what Coach NB delivers. Um, what is like the kind of equivalent for, like I'll say Basketball Canada, like does Basketball US really offer anything? It's like school of hard knocks. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's learned by experience is really yeah. what it is. Um you know, I always tell people, I mean, the, the best way to learn is is by experience. And, and, you know, you can't simulate situations. You can't simulate, you know, in-game adjustments. And you can't simulate 
you know, issues with players and communicating with them. And you really learn by experience. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, so no, I, I, I never went through a certification process. I mm-hmm. never did anything like that. And, um, you know, people ask me all the time, well, who was like a mentor to you? Who was a coach? And, and I, I hate saying it, but I really didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at my father as somebody that, that mentored me into just being a good person and, and being a hard worker and those type of things. But as far as actual coaching, it was, it was really kind of on my own. And, uh, it was a, a ton of clinics and a ton of YouTube and uh, <laughs> just anything I could possibly coach at, uh, I did for a long time, several years. Uh, it was nonstop AAU and just anything. And um, again, I, I kind of just just learned by by experience. I, I like I don't think you're at all by yourself by saying that. Like I think a lot of coaches go through that same like trial by fire. Just get in there. We need someone to do it. Like, can you just do what you can do to make it work? And oh yeah, it's it's working for free. I mean, it, it's yeah. you know it's and that's just how it is. Yeah, I, I talk to assistant coaches now. We just hired a new assistant coach last year. It's his first uh, coaching gig, and he he did a great job for us. His name's Elvin Mims. Um, you know, but he understands this is the grind, and, and you you tell him like you have to go through this grind to eventually get to a point that you can make this a living. And uh, you know, he understands that. And I mean, I lived it, and I, I did for a long time. And I'm lucky uh, that I have the support system that I did uh, at home that kind of dealt with me for <laughs> several years uh, until I was in a position to to really make a living at this. So that was gonna be one of my other questions. Um, so you you do training camps in China. You're all over the place for for camps, workshops games, whatever. How do you really balance your home life with being a professional coach? Because that's it turns a lot of people off of uh, coaching, especially when the, the um, responsibility level cranks up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's truly difficult uh, to do. Um, you know, for me, I try to make my family as much a part of our team um, as I can during the winter, you know, and that's just you know, having my children run around the locker room and, and having my wife involved in as much as possible with the magic and um, I think that's important, you know, because they're in this as much as I am. And, um, you know, at the same time, you have to be able to put work away. And, and it's tough because as a coach, the, you never punch a clock. You know, you can always be watching more film. You always want to be learning new things. And, and it's just a constant, um, you know, thing. I, I joke that for six months of the year, I'm, I'm kind of a ghost. I mean, during the season and you try so hard not to be, but you it's easily to be overcome, overwhelmed with the job. Uh, for me, it's, you know, I set aside at least, you know, dinner time, bedtime. It's like, turn the phone off, no video, no watching highlights, no, no, nothing work related, just spend time, you know, with my kids and with my wife. And, um, and then of course in the off season, you know, I spend as much time with them as, as possible. Mm-hmm. I really try to, to shut it off at least for the first couple of weeks after the season and, and just be at home, just be around, just be dad. And, um, you know, again, it's a great support system I have and that's made it a lot easier. It is tough. It's tough to balance the two. Yeah. So on top of uh, being the head coach for the Moncton Magic, you also coach your nine-year-old son's uh, minor <laughs> basketball team. Which one is harder? Oh, my son's <laughs> team, no doubt. There's no question. Um, yeah, MKNBA approached me this year. They were short on a couple coaches, and my son plays. You know, he's nine years old, and um, I think he plays. His age group is like eight and nine-year-olds, and. Um, I said, listen, if, if you can make a schedule that works, like we have practice this night at this time every week and our games are always at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings, I'll make it work. But uh, toughing, coaching them is tougher. Like there's no question <laughs> you're chasing kids around the gym and, and some kids are there because they want to be and some kids, you know, parents are kind of forcing them to be there. Yep. And uh, 
but it, nobody's it, really listening. No, <laughs> it's, it's really, really difficult. And I swear I, I get, you know, like paranoid that parents are looking at me like, why, why isn't this guy doing a better job? He's a pro coach. Like what, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it's really difficult, but it's, it's extremely rewarding and it, it's way more fun. It's way more fun coaching my son's team than, than the magic. And yeah. uh, we had a great year. We had, yeah. we had a long playoff run and, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> it was the first year I've coached my son in basketball and, uh, you know, my daughter just started playing as well. So yeah. I, I think now they're, they're both going to want me to coach yeah. and I don't know, but, uh, it was, it was a, a ton of fun. Nice. So what, what's the, what are the nine-year-olds working on? What are their oh, big man. focuses for the year? Their focus? It'd be hard to tell you what their focus is because it's all <laughs> over the gym. Uh, our focus was, I mean, basic footwork, pivoting, you yeah. know, fake, fake, pump fake passes. I mean, jump stop layups as simple as you possibly could. And, yep. you know, for me, if they could leave a practice, my whole goal was leave a practice learning one new thing or actually grasping and understanding one new thing. It could be a rule. It could be I found out tonight what three seconds was. You know, mm-hmm. it can be something so, so simple at eight years old. But more importantly is them leaving the gym wanting to come back. I, yeah. I think the most important thing you can do with, with uh, young players is remain positive And they have to like playing the game to, to want to continue to play. And if they don't want to continue to play, they're never going to develop into good players. So at that stage, that young of an age, it's all about having a good time and mm-hmm. um, and hopefully learning a couple of things here and there. Yeah. When I was when I was younger, I worked at a summer camp and our camp director always started the year by telling us, you know, we're in the business of making good memories like that's that's what it's all about. Like yeah. if if you if you're working, especially with that super young age, like kids need to come away having a positive memory of what they took away. It doesn't matter if they in some ways, it doesn't matter if they learned the technique or learned the rules. If if they didn't like it, they're not going to come back. And that's spot on. That's exactly yeah. uh, what I agree with. And, you know, again, that that's always the focus. It's just, hey, let's have fun today. Let's have a good time. And, you know, I think youth sports, it's so important that they have a good time because it establishes so many other things. It, it, you know, uh, you form friendships. Uh, you know, children learn how to socialize a little bit. Uh, they they uh, get some self-confidence maybe, you know, the physical fitness aspect of it. So there's so much more to youth sports than, than winning. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes I think a lot more coaches from a young age that coach, you know, they, they need to understand that. That, mm-hmm. that, that. That's really the priority. It's about them. It's not necessarily about you. And, and let's just have fun. Yeah. And on that note, what do you think makes a good coach? Oh, that's man. a big question. People ask me that all the time. Um, you know, what do you think is so important with coaching? And, and to me, honestly, I mean, it, it varies from level to level, but um, I think a great coach, I mean, they have to have communication skills above anything else. You know, you have to be able to communicate with your players that you're coaching, uh, whatever sport it is, whatever age it is, whatever level you're at. You know, if you can't communicate with people and, and get the message across that you're trying to get across, you know, you're probably going to struggle. Um, I think coaches have to have confidence. Um, you know, if you don't believe in what you're saying and when you don't believe in, in what you're teaching your players or your students, then they're not going to buy into it. And, you know, there's a, there's a funny saying, right? People always say, you know, coaches, you know, uh, coaching is one of the, the professions, the jobs that everybody thinks they can do better than actually the person that, that's mm-hmm. doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you just have to have a lot of uh, faith in yourself. You got to believe in yourself and, and be confident in what you're doing. And, um, you know, your players will buy into that. So, I mean, to me, those are a couple characteristics of a, of a great coach. Um, you you literally have to be the hardest working person in your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, whatever level that is. And uh, for me, I've, I've always thought that showing players, uh, you know, the, the guys that we coach, they're in their 20s, right? And um, making sure you show players respect a lot of times gets respect back in, in return. And I think they have to see how hard you're working, you know, based on what you're demanding from them on a daily basis. They have to see that you're kind of all in as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, th- those are a few things that we could probably go on all day as to, to what makes a good coach. But, yeah, communication, confidence, 
um, you know, just being a hard worker, being resilient, you know, all those type things go into to making a, a great coach. Mm-hmm. And a, a follow up question. So this one might make you blush a little bit. So um, when you won coach of the year in 2013 and 2019, what do you think was special about your year that year? Like what was what made you the coach of the year? I think it'd be a lot easier to talk about 2019. Yeah, sure, <laughs> um, go for it. But I think this year, I think having relationships with my players, I, I think what, what I've been able to do is, is establish or what I was able to do this year is really kind of establish trust with my players. Uh, they know I'm always going to be upfront with them and 100% honest with them, um, you know, and, and they respect that. They respect the coach. I can kind of tell how it is. I think I was able to, it's funny, uh, my first season with the Magic uh, for the first time in, eight years I was ejected from a game um I kind of lost my cool and (laughs) and I was ejected from a from from a game it was the first first time for me and I wasn't ejected like I was I got my money's worth it was it was pretty it was a pretty ugly scene I wasn't proud of it and um you know after that game uh, the owner of our team actually had a conversation with me and he just said you know Joe all that energy that you just expended uh on the officials you know can't you actually put that into coaching in, in coaching our players and and that, that's never left me mm-hmm. um so I think this season one of the things that, that really helped me was just really always just focusing on the game not letting um you know a one player's bad decision or one bad call or, or one other team's run you know against us uh, take me off my game and just remain focused on exactly what was happening just staying right in that moment I know that's a cliche but um it just helped me focus on the game a lot more and, and I just saw things a lot more clear you know mm-hmm. I was able to communicate a lot more clear when I kind of had my kept my cool um so I think I think those were some things that factored into this year I mean we had a great team too we were extremely talented and um it was just a yeah it was a great year yeah I was gonna say what was what was the like the secret sauce in the team this year that made it to the the championship and ultimately the champions yeah I think um I think the the secret sauce was was really everybody accepting roles Mm -hmm. I mean I think you know you hear all the time that you know you have to be able to accept a role and you know, especially in basketball, not every player on your team, you're not all going to score 20 a game. Um, you know, we need guys who are, who are just going to rebound and defend. We need guys who are just going to be leaders on the bench. Um, I think everyone, once we had our roles fully established and uh, everyone was accepting of those roles and everybody felt they were contributing, uh, it just made us that much more successful on the court. Um, there was no nonsense on the bench or in the locker room or off the floor. Everybody was in it for one common goal. Um and I, I truly believe it was role definition and acceptance of that. And uh, to me, that, that was just a great combination also of veteran players and, and rookie players. And, um, you know, it was just a, a very special team this year. Very cool. Um, so when you go out and you look for these players and you recruit these players and to play on your team, like what are you really looking for in an athlete? Like, what, yeah. do you, what do you know that you're like, you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to add something to this team. Yeah, and that's a huge, huge part of the job, right? Yeah. It's a huge part of, of my job. I can job. imagine your, like, sales skills kind of coming into it and <laughs> Sell ice to Eskimos, right? That's, uh, no, it's, um, yeah, you have to have kind of an eye. You have to know exactly what you're looking for. For example, I just got back from Las Vegas uh, a few days ago. I was out there for six days. I was at multiple pro exposure camps and NBA Summer League. And, um, you know, for me, I mean, the three first things that I look for, I, I really look for character. Um, I watch how players warm up. I watch how they stretch. I watch how um, you know they interact with with their other teammates during the game, before the game, after the game. Uh, I look at their eye contact with their coaches. I look at you know the smallest things that can really define character. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a bad egg, you're probably going to have a tough time dealing with them all season. They're going to have a tough time with teammates. So really, character, how they handle themselves on the court when things aren't going well or, or a bad call goes against them, um, that's really really huge for me. 
Um, you know, second, again, it's coachability. I mean, it's, it's being able to talk to, I mean, we talk to players, former college coaches all the time. We talk to assistant coaches, AAU coaches. Uh, we just want to get a real good feel. You know, does this player, do they execute? Do they understand concepts? Are they willing to be coached uh, is a big thing for me. And, and then at our level, I mean, it's, it's talent. I mean, you have to have talent. You know, yeah. you, you can't play at the professional level without legitimate talent. Um, you know, so again, there's tons of things, but really character to me, mm -hmm. coachability and, and um, you know, guys that, that can really play, you know, that, yep. that's obviously what we're looking for. I mean, those kind of cover off all your bases. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, hard work, work ethic, you know, discipline, those type of things can kind of come into play a little bit as well, mm -hmm. of course. But I feel like those come from character, though. They do. Yeah. They, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Um, they definitely do. IQ, just understanding how to play the game is obviously something that rates very high as well. You know, watching players off the ball, how they move, how do they defend off the ball, um, understanding spacing, you know, all those type of things that, that we look for. So uh, an awful lot goes into it. And, and it's funny because right now we're in the thick of recruiting season. Um, you know, we have a, a depth chart. We call it our big board in the office. And, you know, by the end of the summer, there'll be 70, 80 names on that board. And over the next two months in the fall, through negotiations and, and research, we'll narrow that board from 80 to about 18 guys for training camp. So uh, an awful lot goes into to finding the right fit for your team. Cool. Um, and so a little bit on some of the camps you've done. Uh, why bother going all the way to China to host a camp? Yeah. Because um, yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, that is extremely cool and would be a huge flipping headache to uh, to get going. Yeah, it was it was pretty tough. Uh, so I've actually I've been over to China twice now uh, coaching over there. Actually, this past year, we actually held a magic uh, kind of mini camp there. So actually what we did, we took 12 players uh, to China. We were there for close to three weeks uh, playing against professional teams in the CBA in China. Uh, and what we did, we, we brought 12 players that were maybe some guys we knew we were coming back or bringing back for this season. Some guys we had question marks on whether we wanted to bring them to our actual training camp. So we actually used it as a tool um, to get a look at players that we're really interested in. And I mean, it, it was a, a lot of work. It was a lot of travel. Um, but again, it, you have to say it kind of worked. We got off to a great start. We started at, uh, off 10 and 0 this season, which I think is second best in NBL Canada history for Ooh, a start. Yeah. yeah so nice. you, you, you feel like, uh, it was the right move to, to hold camp over there. And, um, you know, again, it's kind of growing your network as a coach. I met a lot of great people in China that I still stay in touch with now. And, um, yeah, it was just a, it was a cool experience. Do you notice there's like a big style between like Chinese basketball and Canadian basketball, or is it fairly similar? Well, I mean, China China is very good. Uh, people, you know, I don't know if people understand how how good Chinese basketball is now. Uh, they're much bigger uh, than, than than us. Um, they're much much bigger. Their basketball players are. Uh, they they play a much more physical game. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it can get pretty chippy, pretty nasty over there. <laughs> um, you know, which is also something a reason we brought guys over. We knew it was going to be physical and watch how guys react to that, yeah. right? Um, but uh, yeah, some big differences. I mean, just bigger, physical. Um, you know, they're not as athletic as as us or a lot of our American players and Canadian players and. So it was a little bit of a contrast of styles, mm -hmm. but uh, it was it was a great experience. Um, there might actually be an opportunity I head back over this September uh, again. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, definitely, definitely a cool experience. That's that. Yeah, very, very cool. <laughs> um, and so talking about other leagues. Um, so I got into basketball this year for the first time, like many other Canadians sure. did, uh, getting on the bandwagon with the Raptors. Um, so if you could put it into context for me, like just how insane was the Raptors season? 
I don't know if there's a, a better word than insane. I mean, yeah. it, well, their season was excellent. Their season was very, very good. I think the fanfare and the the explosion of, of basketball, you know, fans that, that happened during their playoff run that was insane. But um, they had a they had a great year. I mean, again, they they were a similar team to us where they had a lot of young talent uh, and and a few veteran players, you know, that have kind of been through the trenches in the playoffs. Um, but the the draw and and the amount of people that it that it brought kind of to the game of basketball really put basketball in the forefront uh in this country mm-hmm. for well over a month at least i mean was was incredible and uh i did multiple interviews about the raptors impact on basketball in canada and it's really tough to explain mm-hmm. how do you explain ten thousand people showing up to a park outside to watch a game whether it's raining or not and, and yeah. um it, it's a very special time to be part of basketball in, in the country of canada and I mean, the Raptors just have a, a huge, huge part in that. And, you know, when you look at us here in Moncton, we got the best of both worlds, right? Because we we grew our fan base substantially during our playoff run and, and a championship run. And then all of a sudden you have the Raptors winning in the playoffs as well. And, and basketball was just on everybody's mind. Yeah. And um, it certainly helped us. Yep. And uh, so it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. And, um, you know, I have a couple of friends that are kind of in the Raptors organization. So just just really happy for basketball in Canada right now. Cool. This is my next question. How <laughs> the do Nick I, Nurse question? Yeah, how do I get in contact with Nick Nurse? I was kind of kidding, but kind of not. <laughs> Boy, you know, I, I don't know Nick Nurse. I've never met him uh, personally. Yeah. Um, I know some people uh, very well in the Raptors 905 organization, which is obviously the affiliate mm-hmm. to, uh, to the Raptors. So, um, you know, I, I could probably give you a name. A- after. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> after. Year, probably. Um, I, one of my very close friends and colleagues works for Basketball Canada, and uh, so I was trying to go through her to get it because he's going to be the head coach, obviously, for the sure. World Cup. And, um, but apparently, uh, Basketball Canada kiboshed it because they're like, no, he's too busy, he's got other things going on. I'm like, come on. Yeah, like, it's tough. I mean, that's a pretty big kind of name it drop, is, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, so I recognize it. We'll, uh, we'll see. But now he, he did a phenomenal job this year, it was, it was really, really fun to watch him coach. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, I wasn't a big proponent of um of of them letting go of um Dwayne Casey yeah you know this is a guy who done such a tremendous job and helped grow basketball in Canada but uh they obviously made the right move I was gonna say that would be one of my first questions for Nick is like really like how do you take over from such a like well-respected coach and like what do you add to make it your own and such as some big shoes to step into yeah huge I mean he was the the coach of the year in the NBA (laughs) and then he was he was let go right which just tells you how uh, cutthroat of a business basketball really is, especially at the, the level of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that was actually another one of my questions for you was, um, so you're with the uh, with the Island Storm for um, for seven years? Six. Six yeah. years, thank you. Uh, which I guess in some ways for a professional coach is a long, long line with it, but in some ways it's not. Like, does the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for? Longevity. Does the longevity of being a professional coach kind of, weigh on you a bit oh no doubt yeah. i mean they the other you know an old saying coaches are hired to be fired like eventually yeah. as a head coach you you will be fired yeah. um you could have done a great job for 10 years and five years later you haven't won a championship or whatnot and, and you're going to be let go it's part of the job uh it's a big stress i mean it's a big stress for myself being that i'm american you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here on a work permit mm-hmm. um you know if i am to be let go 
then my family and I have to pick up and move mm-hmm. to, you know, no house, to no jobs, to no health insurance back in the States until mm-hmm. we get established again. So there's a lot of stresses that come with it. And, and that's a big part of, uh, of this job as well, handling those stresses and, and staying focused on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an insane profession. It, it's uh, my <laughs> so my sister is a, a, a professor, uh, Arizona yep. State in psychology, and and she tells me all the time like you have the craziest job that, that I know. Um, yeah. and it's true. I, I sometimes you ask yourself like why why do I do this? Why yeah. do I put yourself yeah. through this? But there's something that draws you back all the time, and it, it's the game. And um, yeah. you know, so yeah, there, there's stresses and, and pressures that come with it. Um, you just have to be able to put that aside and focus on what you're doing. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so that was a good transition to my last question. So what would you really say uh, to the coaches listening to? Like, what's your best piece of advice for a coach who's just starting out and wants to get into the game a bit more? Or um, what's your little like wisdom nugget for them? I think my best advice to, to young coaches that are trying to do this, you know, as a profession, as a career, um, you, you, you truly have to be all in. Uh, you, you truly have to understand that it is going to be a very long grind. Um get into a position of, of kind of success. Um, you have to be willing to go through the ups and downs. You know, there's going to be t- good times and bad times. There's going to be good seasons and, and bad seasons. Um, and you have to be willing to, to live with all that. You have to have thick skin. You know, you have to understand that not everybody's going to agree with what you're doing. And that goes back to that piece I talked about, having confidence in yourself uh, and what you're doing, but but making sure you are prepared and you know what you're doing and you know what you're saying. Um, I think sometimes people think coaching is just – you know, calling a timeout and drawing something on a board. And there's so much more that comes with it from a, from a mental aspect. And people just, they, young coaches, you, you have to understand really what this job is about to the best that you can. Um, and you'll understand that by talking to coaches, you know, coaches that may be at a, a higher level than you at that time, but, but just understanding really what the job entails and, and knowing, you know, if you're going to get into this or try to get into this, you can't do it halfway. You have to go do it all the way, uh, you know, or it's just not going to work. So um, keep your head up through tough times and and understand it's a, a lengthy process and not everybody can do this, mm-hmm. you know. So if you go into it with that mindset right out of the gate, you know, it, it might help you down the road. It's a good piece for me. I like it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, uh, and lastly, I'll give you a little bit of time if you want to let people know how they can either become like season pass holders or like how they can follow the Moncton Magic and what they're doing. For new fans that are interested in, in kind of following the Magic or, or starting to, you know, maybe come to some Magic games this season, obviously we play at the Avenir Center uh, on Main Street in Moncton, which is a state-of-the-art facility. Um, you can get a ton of information on the Magic via social media, you know, whether that be following the Magic. Uh, all of our handles are the Moncton Magic um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or, or myself even, uh, we put a lot of things out at coach Salerno on Instagram at coach Salerno one on, on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think people, if you haven't been to a game yet, uh, you know, you really should check one out. It, it absolutely hooks people. And I don't think there's better entertainment, uh, in Moncton. I don't think there's better entertainment consistently in New Brunswick, to be honest with you, uh, than coming to see a magic game. So hopefully, uh, we can get some people out next season and, uh, start following the team. I love it. Cool. So thanks for listening for another episode of the Coach's Plan podcast. Um, as always, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're also on our website, um, coachnb.ca. Also, it really helps if you leave a five-star review and a little a little note. You can just say, hey, Ashley, how's it going? Love the podcast. Keep it up. Um, big thank you to Kodiak FM for letting us use their studio today. Uh, I love sitting in the big chair talking to the big microphones. It's always appreciated. And Joe, thank you for coming into the studio today. 
Really appreciate talking to you. No, I had a, had a great time and uh, you know, I'd love to come back anytime. Great. I, I'll keep you to that. All right. <laughs> cool. And in the meanwhile, uh, for all the coaches listening today, get to practice. <laughs>